All right, well, this morning we are wrapping up the sermon series that we've been in in the month of July called Party People. And in this series, we've been looking at different parties in the Bible, looking to see at what they reveal to us about God and who they're calling us to be as God's people. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed the series from the, the Kona ice truck and the confetti cannons the first week to the baptisms. Um, to the cotton candy we're going to have today after worship, and and so much more. It's been a fun series, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And and really, at the end of this, I can say that we here at Harvest Point truly are a party people. Y'all are people who like to celebrate, full of joy, um, love getting together and having fun. And as party people, I know that one thing is true, and that is that party people love receiving an invitation to a party, right? Don't you like receiving an invitation to the party? You go to your mailbox. I don't know if yours is like mine here in Henry County, but most of the time it's full of junk mail. But then every once in a while, I look in there and there's a hand-addressed envelope. And when that hand-addressed envelope has an invitation in it, I get a little bit excited. Or maybe in your text messages, right? You're getting all these memes and people are sending you crazy stuff. You're on all these group messages. But then somebody sends you a text message with an invite to a party and your heart leaps a little bit. Or maybe students and kids, you know, you've always been wanting to go to Sky Zone this whole summer. You've been wanting to go somewhere fun. You've been wanting to go bowling or something. And your parents won't take you because they got to buy your new backpack. And then finally, one day, one of your friends gives you an invitation to a party at Sky Zone or somewhere really fun. And you get really excited. We love getting invitations to parties. It's nice to feel included and to feel invited. And when I get an invitation to a party, the first thing I do is kind of think about my calendar, but then I think about a few other things, right? I think about one, what kind of food is going to be at this party, right? Some of y'all are thinking that today. They're like, I don't know if I'm going to stay after for this party after church. I don't know what the food is, what cookout means to these people, hamburgers, hot dogs, and lots of other stuff. But I like to see what is the food? Is it a buffet? Is it sit down? Is it like a sit down commitment around a round table for a long time? You know, recently my nephew... He's three years old. He had his birthday party at Burger King, which was awesome because I got to try the new chicken pretzel fries, and they were delicious, right? So it's good to know what kind of food is going to be at the party. And then we want to know what kind of fun is going to be at the party, right? Is there going to be anything fun going on here? Or is this going to be kind of boring and kind of lame? And if so, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll pass on it. But then the third thing that I like to see before I say yes to attending a party after I receive the invitation is... Who else is on the guest list, right? Who else is invited to this party? Because, you know, sometimes we're like, look, if Sarah's invited to this party, then I'm not attending because Sarah's my ex-girlfriend and Sarah and I can't be in the same room. Anybody have a Sarah in their life? Anybody have a Sarah in their life? Yeah, some of y'all do. Or we think, okay, are my best friends invited to this party? And that's awkward because we don't want to message our best friends because they might not have been invited and then we have to let them know they weren't invited. And so, But we want to go to a party where people are. We think, am I going to be the only person I know at this party? Because if so, I might have to make small talk for a long time and I just don't really have the energy to do that right now. A lot of us, we like to know all of these things before we say yes to attending a party, before we accept the invitation. And if all these things line up, then we'll say yes, I'll go to the party. But if not... We'll say no and we'll decline. And what's interesting is that the dynamics surrounding parties today aren't all that different from the dynamics surrounding parties that we see in the Bible. 
Because they had invitations, they, they had RSVPs, they had food, they had fun, they had a lot of that same stuff. And so one day when Jesus is wanting to teach a group of Pharisees, religious leaders, when he's wanting to teach them about the kingdom of God, when he wants to teach them about what the Bible calls the feast of the kingdom, that is the party in heaven, when he wants to teach them about that, he tells them a story about a party and he uses the dynamics of that party to convey some deep truths. He tells them a parable about a party to reveal to them what that party in heaven is going to be like. And so this morning, we're going to look in Luke chapter 14 together at this parable about a party that Jesus tells. And if you haven't been with us as we've talked about some other parables, parables are simply a tool that Jesus used to teach that use earthly things, common things like seeds, Um, like traveling, like parties. He uses those things to convey deep spiritual truths about God's character, about God's kingdom, and who God's calling us to be as his people. So this morning, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 14. And I want to invite up Addison Jones, who's going to come and read our scripture passage for us this morning. Um, And so I'm going to turn on this mic, whoever's doing sound. Um, Tess. Okay, it's on. So I'm going to invite Addison Jones. We all give her a round of applause as she comes up and reads our scripture for us. We know summer has been long, and so we're trying to give, you know, practice for literacy to, to everybody. And so um, she's going to read from Luke chapter 14. I invite you to follow along um, in your Bible or on the Bible app if you have it. When one of those Pharisees at the table with him who heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant and to tell who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all like alike began to make accuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them and to come in so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who were invited to get a taste of my banquet. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. So Jesus tells this parable. And this parable involves a certain man who was going to have a great party where many people are invited. And so this isn't some kind of budget birthday party. 
This isn't some kind of small, intimate gathering with close friends. This is a huge blowout. And if this party was happening today, it'd probably have a chocolate fountain. Have you all ever heard of a ketchup fountain? That's a thing. It'd probably have a ketchup fountain. It'd probably have, you know, buffet, chicken fingers, goodie bags. It would have all of that stuff. It was a huge blowout party. And in their day, a party this size that this certain man was having, it would have taken a long time to prepare everything. And so their custom when they had parties was to do a double invitation. And so they would go out to people once and they would say, hey, I'm having a party. Will you be coming? That's what the servant would go and do. And so people would say yes or no. And so depending on how many people said yes, then the master and the servants, they would prepare for that many people. And then when the party finally arrived, the servant would go back out on the day of the party because they were doing so much preparation, they didn't always know exactly what day it was going to be. And the food, you know, you got to get it all ready at the right time. So then the servant would go back out the day of the party and tell everybody, come, the party is now ready. Come on, it's time to eat, right? It's like ringing the dinner bell. Come on, it's time to go to the party. And so the servant, he goes out to these people who've said yes previously. And he says, hey, come on, the party's ready. And then the first person responds and says, actually, oh man, I just bought some land. And uh, I got to go see it. Please excuse me. Which the servant would have known that this is kind of a, a bold-faced lie. Right? It was then like it is now. Like You don't buy a piece of land without knowing what it's going to be like. In their culture, you would have known the creeks. You would have known the rivers. You would have known the trees. You would have known who owned it before. You would have known all these things. So it's kind of a lame excuse that this guy gives. But he says, please excuse me and go, goes on his way. So then the servant's like, okay, well, he goes to the next guy. And the next guy says, look, I've just bought 10 oxen. I've just bought all these and I've got to go see them. Which is kind of like the first excuse. It's like, oh, did you buy these sight unseen or something? But now you're so busy you have to go do this as the sun is setting, as we're about to have this party. It's kind of fishy as well. And then the third guy, he comes to the third guy and the third guy says, look, I just got married. And he doesn't even say, please excuse me. He says, I just got married. And look, I just got married last year. I've used that excuse a few times. It's valid very few times. A lot of times it's just an excuse, right? And so that's what this guy's giving. He's giving an excuse here. And so the servant, he goes back to the master. He goes back to the master and he has to report this bad news to him. And he says, hey, look, all these people who said they were going to come originally, now they've backed out. And the certain man, this master, is rightfully angry. Because it's a kind of a dishonoring thing these people have done to him. To refuse the invitation at the last moment. But instead of just canceling the party like we might expect, this certain man does something different. Instead, he adds to the guest list. He adds to the guest list. And so he says to the servant, he says, Hey, look, you know what I want you to do? If these people don't want to come, that's fine. We're going to invite more people. I want you to go to the lame, the blind, the poor. I want you to go to all of those people in this city, and I want you to get them to come in. And now when I was reading this and studying this this week, it was an interesting thing to see that he asked the servant to bring them in, because he didn't ask the servant to bring the other people in. And so I had to look at the context, and what it said was that back in the day, if you were lame or you were poor or you were blind and you received an invitation to a party, especially one at the last minute, you, you would have refused it because you would think this is a mistake. 
This isn't a party for me. I'm not supposed to go and party with people like that. We're very different. We're different classes. We're different in society. We're different stratifications. And so the master is telling the servant, no, look, go invite them and bring them in. They're going to say they shouldn't be here, but tell them, I want them at my party. Bring them into the party. And so he goes and he gathers up all of these people, people who were commonly rejected in that day. He brings them into the party. And he says to the master, hey, look, there's still room. And so the master says, hey, look, well, we've gotten everybody in the city. Now I want you to go out beyond the city gate. I want you to go out to where the outcasts are, where the rejected are. I want you to go out into the countryside where the homeless people are. I want you to go out there and I want you to bring everybody in. I want you to bring them all here because I want them at my party. I want them to share in the joy. I want them to share in the fun. I want them to share in the food and the fellowship. I want to host all of these people. I want my house to be full. And when the Pharisees heard this story, they would have been a little surprised at the dynamics going on here. They would have been surprised that these people rejected an invitation at the last minute because that's not something you commonly did. But they also would have been surprised that this master invited the poor and the lame and the outcast to be part of his party because in their culture you didn't cross lines like that. They would have been surprised at the expansiveness of the guest list that so many people were on it. And that night as they went to bed, you know, they didn't have iPhones to, to play on while they were in bed. When they went to bed, I bet they were thinking about this parable still. About this teaching that Jesus gave them. And I bet they were surprised when they began to realize why Jesus told this parable to them. Why Jesus told them this parable about who was ultimately going to be at the great party in heaven. Because you see, they would have been surprised that there was going to be people there who weren't just like them or people who they didn't think were going to be there. Because the Pharisees loved to say who was in and who was out. They loved exclusivity. And while parables teach many different things and there's many different angles you can look at in a parable, one of the key things we see here is that Jesus is telling us and he's telling them, for that great party in heaven that's going to happen one day, all are invited. All are invited to the party in heaven. That's one of the key messages Jesus is trying to relay here. And Jesus is a great messenger for this message. Because Jesus is God's servant who's come into the world to live a perfect life, to die the death we deserve and to rise again so that we could be restored in our relationship with God, so that we could live forever in God's presence. Many of you know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That is, should not perish, spend eternity apart from God, but instead should spend eternity with God at the great party in heaven. Jesus came into this world so that we could receive that invitation. Jesus comes and he extends that invitation to all people because God loves all people. And that is good news, right? 
Because Jesus comes to us and he tells us, look, you're not getting an invitation to this party because of who you are or what you've done. You're getting an invitation to the great party in heaven because of who I am and what I've done. And so you don't have to do anything except receive this invitation. And it is for all people. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, even you're invited to the party. Some laughter in here, right? Because it's funny to think that God wants us. God wants you. God wants me at this party in heaven, right? That's kind of crazy. He, he sees the depths of our hearts and he loves us the same. He knows everything in our lives and he wants us there. Because look, we see in this parable, as he's talking to the Pharisees, Jesus is letting them know that these people who are religious in the world's eyes, who oftentimes look like they have it all together, He's letting them know these people who are often proud and often self-righteous. He's letting them know that they're invited to the party. And he's letting us know that, look, if we look like our lives have it all together, if externally things look good on the outside, if maybe we're prideful, if we're self-righteous, we're still invited to the party. But then he's also letting us know in the parable that the lame, the poor, the blind, the outcasts, and the rejects will be at this party as well. And he's letting us know that for us in our world, if you feel unclean, if you feel rejected, if you feel ostracized, if you feel like you don't fit in here this morning, if you feel like you don't fit in Henry County or this world, if you feel unlovable, if you feel worthy, if you feel unworthy, however you feel, it doesn't matter how you feel, you're still invited to the party. Because God loves you. And he's made a way for you to attend this party through his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice for you. And he's letting us know that if we find ourselves somewhere in between, we are invited to the great party. And that is good, good news. It's good news. But then the parable, it also teaches us some bad news, right? It teaches us some bad news because it also teaches us that while all are invited to the party, ultimately in, in the end in this parable, not all accept the invitation to attend the party. All are invited, but not everyone in the end shows up. And the people in the parable, they give excuses. They're focused on their possessions. One of them, he gives the excuse of his family. They put all of these things in front of the invitation, and so ultimately, they exclude themselves. And it's the same way with us, right? We're all invited to God's party in heaven. We're all invited to new life in Jesus Christ, but not all of us say yes, ultimately. Not all of us respond that way. And even in our lives, not all of us say yes to God on a daily basis. A lot of times we give him excuses as well, excuses that we tell ourselves are valid and okay. And like in the parable, some of the excuses that we give God, we, we give God excuses like, look, I, I got so much stuff right now, I, I don't have time. Right? I've got school stuff. I've got kids stuff. I've got sports stuff. I've got band stuff. 
I got work stuff. I got family stuff. I have all this stuff. I have all this stuff I buy on Jonesboro Road. I have all of this stuff in my life. And a lot of times that stuff kind of pushes God out of our lives. And we end up saying, God, you know what? I got to deal with all this stuff. And maybe I'll deal with you when I have a little time. And and, and we'll reconnect later. And sometimes that reconnection never happens. But for others of us, it's not our stuff that keeps us from fully saying yes to God for eternity and in everyday lives. For some of us, it's our significant relationships, right? Because we think if we say yes to God, then we might have to change dynamics with our boyfriend or girlfriend, or we might have to change how we relate to our spouse or what we talk about with our friends or where we hang out, and we're kind of afraid of that change. Some of us are afraid of our social status because... These days, it's not always the popular thing to do to be a Christian and to follow Jesus and say yes to God. Sometimes when we do that, we're, we're labeled as Jesus freaks or, or weirdos or, or, or that type of person. And so because we're so concerned with our reputation, we, we kind of shy away from God and do our own thing. Others of us say no to God for a moment because we're afraid of the sacrifice he might require. Because after all, when you say yes to an invitation, you're also having to say no to a number of other things. And so we're afraid if we say yes to God, we might have to, to, to say no to some ways we currently spend our finances. We might have to say no to some ways we're spending our time. We might have to make some changes. And so it can be a little scary for us. And so sometimes we put God off for a moment. Or for a long time. And one commentator on this passage, he wrote this The excuses we offer to God reveal the activities and things we hold to be more important than God. The excuses we offer reveal the activities and things we hold to be more important than God. And everyone has this stuff in their lives. We all have excuses that we give. Whether we've said yes to that invitation in the future and we're saying no for this moment. Or whether we've always kind of kept God at an arm's distance. We all have excuses. But it's interesting to look in this parable. To see who ultimately overcomes those excuses. Who ultimately overcomes all of those barriers. And it's interesting to look at the group of people who ultimately says, Yes, they'll attend the party. And if you notice in the parable, who is that group of people? It's the poor. It's the lame. It's the blind. It's the needy. It's the outcast. And I think these people are able to say yes to God and they're able to receive the invitation with joy because they're surprised at the invitation and because they're grateful at the invitation. Because you see, these people realize that they've done nothing to earn this invitation. They've done nothing to deserve this invitation. They're not so intertwined with their stuff or with their concern for social status. They're able to say yes to the invitation. They're surprised that God, that the host of the party wants them to come. And so they're overwhelmed. And I found that in our world and in our lives, it's kind of the same thing for our world today. That the people who were able to say yes to God Yes for eternity and yes, I want to grow deeper. Are people who are humble, people 
who know their faults and their failures. People who are able to look at their own sin and see how it affects their relationship with God. It's people who find themselves in need. It's those kind of people that are able to more easily say yes to God because they see this invitation for what it is. It's an invitation of grace. It's an invitation none of us deserve. It's an invitation none of us have earned. It's an invitation that none of us could ever hope to repay. It's a surprise invitation that God would want to spend eternity with people like us. I don't know if you ever think about that, but I do, that God would want to spend eternity with someone like me. People who can say yes to God are people who see that this invitation is one of grace and that our God is a God of grace, giving us good gifts that are greater than we could ask for or imagine through Jesus Christ because of who he is, because he is love, because he is gracious, because that's who he is. He wants you at the party. And I struggle with this message of, you know, okay, I got to find a good story to illustrate it. But I felt like God's saying, you know what? My word is sufficient. And I was going to make it complicated, but I was like, you know what? We have the kids in here, and I tend to overcomplicate things. And so I just want to end this message by asking you this question. Will you accept the invitation to the party? Will you accept the invitation that God is offering to you this morning to spend eternity with Him in heaven? And I want to let you know that if you say yes to that invitation for eternity in heaven, it actually starts right now. The party starts now in your life. As you receive forgiveness, as you receive salvation, as you receive new life, joy and hope and all of those things. And I know that in our world today, a lot of us, we, we get so many invitations, we're overwhelmed. We're bombarded. There's so much stuff we can do. There's so many things that we can fill our lives with. But I want to let you know that saying yes to God to attend that great party in heaven and to grow deeper with Him, it's the most important decision that you can make. And so this morning, in just a moment, if you've never said yes to God, maybe you've never been asked. Maybe this is the first time you've really heard the invitation. If that's you and you want to say yes this morning, we're going to give you the opportunity through prayer to just simply say to God, yes, I want to attend the party in heaven. I want to put you above everything else in my life. I want to receive the gift that your son Jesus Christ wants to give me, the gift of salvation and new life and a secure place in eternity. You'll have that opportunity in a moment. And maybe for some of you, many of you I know, you've said yes to that invitation before. Maybe when you were a child, maybe when you were a teenager at camp, maybe here in this worship center. Maybe you've said yes to that great invitation to eternity, but in your everyday life, you're kind of telling God no. No, not right now. No, not that part of my life. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of busy. Maybe that's you. When we have a time of prayer, I want to invite you 
to lay down those barriers, to give God those excuses and to say, I want to put you first once again. You're more important than anything else in my life. And some of you here, maybe you've said yes to God and you're saying yes to God in every day of your life. And what I want you to do is I want you to ask God who he wants you to bring to the party alongside of you. Because God wants that party to be full. He wants us all. So let's pray.